Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the Resource Room Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And today we're going to talk all about token boards and ways that we can kind of motivate and reward and teach positive behaviors. Um, But before we dive in, could you explain to listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and kind of what teaching looks like for you? Yeah. So um, I'm Abby Moringer. I'm the face behind Mrs. Moe's Modifications. Um, This is my 11th year in special education. Um, I have been in a self-contained setting, a resource setting, and most of the time I've been in an integrated or inclusive classroom. Um, But most recently I switched roles a little bit and I'm now a behavior specialist for my district. Um, I love to talk about all things behavior. I It's kind of my jam. So right now my role looks a little bit different, but I am supporting K-12 in behaviors. That's exciting. So many people fear behavior, myself included. When I ever, especially when I first started teaching, it was like, oh my goodness, behavior. And you know, it just scares you a little bit. So it's fun or funny to me sometimes when it's like, that's what people love and just truly shows there's something for everybody. Yeah, I had a really, really tough class. It was like my fourth year teaching and I was just kind of shooting in the dark and I didn't really know if I was doing the right things, if I was shaping their behavior in the correct ways. And so I ended up actually going back to school and I got my, um, it's a certificate, it's called my, um, I'm a certified behavior analyst now. So um, I'm excited to be in this role and yeah, there's definitely something for everyone. So behavior is it for me. So today we're going to talk a little bit about token boards. And before we really dive in, tell listeners, I know many of us are in special education, we probably heard of them, but what is a token board? Yeah. So great question. So a token board is essentially just like a small version of um, the umbrella term term token economy. So all that means is you exchange um, tokens, which in token boards are usually the pieces like the stars on the board um, for a backup reinforcer. So something that's really motivating to the students, whether it's um, something physical like um, a toy or if it's just maybe some interaction with a peer, something like that. But it's basically the exchange of those tokens for a backup reinforcer. What kinds of students or what kinds of behaviors might you use a token board for? So I have really used these with so many different kids. Um, They're always individualized, so it depends on, you know, really the student, how you're going to make it look. But I have used it from kids who are nonverbal, they have autism, they have some really involved behaviors, to more higher functioning students that are verbal and can have a discussion about what the token board is. Um, So it really does work with a, a spectrum of kids, and that's why I love them. Let's go with that. Why do you love them? 
Yeah, so I love them because they apply to so many things in the real world. Um, I know lots of people have heard the example of your paycheck. So, you know, you get your dollars put in your your account and they mean nothing unless you can exchange them for something. Um, some other things like that are your credit card points. So you get credit card points, you get to save them up and exchange them for something. Um, even if you go to your favorite coffee shop and you are earning those points. I know I go to Dunkin' and I always earn up those points and I turn them in for a free coffee. All of those are examples of token economies. So it so easily relates to real life and that, and it's really easy to use across settings. Um, whether your student is with you or another service provider, it can go with the student and it's just really functional in that way. I think that's a great comparison and we will do a lot to earn our points. For me, I am not a coffee drinker, but I do love my Polar Pops. And you know what? They know I'm a sucker. And just when I'm thinking, man, I need to stop coming here every day, guess who gets a free one? Or, you know, every place does that. They have their rewards and you'll do it. And our kids work in the exact same way. Yes, you got it. So, okay, for me, I might get my Polar Pop reward once a month. You might get your Dunkin' reward once every couple of weeks or a month, or I don't know how coffee works, but you might get that a little less often than what our kids would get mm -hmm. theirs. How do you recommend or, or where do we start knowing how much is too much versus they can't even see the end in sight? We need to start working on this a little, or, you know, a, a more frequent break. This is such a good question. Um, I think that this is something that's, missed a lot when people are implementing these and to think about the schedule. So when I'm working with teams, I always want to that, encourage them to think about what that schedule of reinforcement will look like. So there's a couple ways you can look at it. You can do either time-based or you can do ratio-based. So a time would be, I like to do like on average every five minutes or something like that. And a ratio-based would be like when you finish these three problems, you get a token. I like to do the time base just because it's really flexible. Again, um, you know, sometimes when they're just sitting at the carpet, there's not a ratio that you can be um, giving the tokens for. Um, now, having said that, it's really, again, individualized. So I always look at the student and see what they're capable of now um, because you want to meet them where they're at. I've had kids that have had to fill up the entire token board. So maybe they have five stars. So they have to fill up that token board every five minutes to get the reward. So that's pretty quick, right? That's a token a minute. Um, and then I've had kids that have gone 30 minutes. You know, our goal is always to stretch it. Um, so you can stretch it by increasing the time between tokens or one that I don't see happen as much, but it's sometimes really helpful to students is just increase the number of tokens. So then you can give them as frequently, but it takes still longer to get that backup reinforcer. So that's, does that make sense? Sometimes I talk too much like in the <laughs> behavioral lens. I think that definitely makes sense. Okay. And it's something that really like we can relate to maybe if we have a certain student in mind, like one, I guess one thing that I have noticed is a lot of people treat a token board almost like a sticker chart let's say when we were in elementary school, where maybe you got a sticker every day if you were good, or you got a sticker every day if you had your agenda signed or things like that. This to me is not the same because it is so much more frequent. And sometimes 
even like, oh, you'll get a sticker in the morning if you're good or a sticker in the afternoon if you're good. Even that is sometimes too long of a period of time for some of our more intense students. And so I, I think you answer that beautifully. It varies based on the student, based on the schedule. What can they do now? It's not just a, you did good this morning. You did good all day, whatever. It's got to be a little more frequent than that. Right. And I always say people are like, well, you know, we are reinforcing their behavior so much. They're getting so many breaks. It's like, well, the option is is either to reinforce it and give that break or then deal with the problem behavior. And that's taking even more time away from you, from the kids, from the other kids that are trying to learn and need that intervention as well. So um, I think that that's kind of like the argument there too sometimes. And I mean, I guess in a perfect world, yeah, we wouldn't have to do all of that. And we don't want to reinforce all, all the time, you know, because that is a lot, but it's what's necessary. It's what's needed. And we've got to back it up and do that sometimes. Yeah. Another argument I hear a lot is we want kids to be intrinsically motivated and that token boards are extrinsically motivating. And I would not argue and say that they're not, right? Um, But some kids aren't motivated intrinsically. Um, They're just not. And they have to learn that sometimes. Um, They have to build up that relationship with you. And that's okay. Um, I know that some days after a hard day at work, I sometimes treat myself to an adult beverage or maybe (laughs) I will splurge on a little Amazon package for myself. And those are extrinsic motivators for me. And we all have them and that's okay. Um, obviously our goal is to always move away from these interventions as much as we can, but I think it's important to just say, you know, it's okay, we'll get there, but you know, they need something in the meantime. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, one of the things in a freebie that you're going to share with listeners is you have lots of different themes and what is the purpose of choosing a theme versus something more generic that you could use for all of your students? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, we could dive into this so far. So I'm going to give kind of like a Cliff Notes uh, answer to this. But when you are choosing a token board, you want the tokens themselves to be reinforcing. So some students who are maybe more um, verbal, they might understand that once they get a star, that means that they're doing a good job. But some students, they might not know that that star means they're doing a good job. So if maybe it's something like trains, because I do have a train one in there. If um, they get the train, they get excited. They know that they're doing the right thing. They keep working hard. Um, Basically, as you're giving the tokens, they need to know that not only is that backup reinforcer reinforcing, but those tokens are as well. And how do you know it? Some of it's trial and error. Um, To know about the backup reinforcers, I do a few things. Um, You can do something like a preference assessment right in school. You can just look and see kind of toys maybe they're gravitating to during free play. Um, Or you can ask the parents. And that's a lot of what I do when I'm dealing with the, the younger kids that might not have a lot of verbal skills is I'll talk to the parents. Um, And I know that or I say this to teams, you know, if a student is not motivated to work for something, then it might not be a reinforcer. So even though they might like to play with it sometimes, it's not motivating enough always to get them to do maybe um, a math worksheet. And it's a trial and error. You just have to keep trying different things. Um, Something that I like to also use with this is pair it with like a choice board. So if you have like three different options to say, maybe the trampoline, um, Uh, playing with cars and maybe 
a piece of candy. And you have those three options and you give them to the student and you say, which one do you want to work for? Um, giving them that choice and that control motivates them even more. And I think that's really powerful. And might kind of be helpful for the student who you don't always know what to motivate them with on particular days. Right now we have a student who one day he might love to watch a Coco Melon YouTube video. Other days he doesn't care about that. You know, one day he might want to play with the kinetic sand and the next day he doesn't care about that. So sometimes, you know, that choice might help alleviate that problem where what is motivating them today? Yes, that is so true. And um, it is hard sometimes to keep on top of those changing um, motivators. So to have that choice board and it really helps. It also helps if you have paraprofessionals. I've sometimes run into, um, they're like, oh, Johnny picked cars. I'm like, oh no, cars aren't available right now. Or he isn't able to use them because he broke them last time or something like that. Um, you're always not able to have those conversations on the fly. So Um, When I put what's available on the choice board, it's clear to adults, it's clear to the kids, and um, then it just makes the process a little bit seamless. Is that something that either on TPT you sell or you have a freebie for the choice boards? I am not sure that I do, but I think I need to add it to my freebie if I don't have it in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay if you don't. That was just something that it's like, even if they tried a token board and maybe liked it, they could either go to your TPT store or a freebie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be a good thing for them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you have uh, some recommendations for a preference assessment? Like something is, I guess basically what I'm getting at is, is there something formal that I could print and send home to parents for a preference assessment? So I feel like this is like, I don't know, weird for me to answer. Can I like recommend someone else's? Sure. I don't care. Like I know. So one of my friends, um, I also work with her. She chalkboard superhero. She um, has a preference assessment. I don't really have what I typically do is my choice is always watching them um, in the classroom and talking to parents because I, especially when I was in the classroom, I was like K1. So that's what I would prefer to do. Um, But she does have a great one. and that can be an option. I can send the link. Okay, perfect. I can link to that in the show notes. Um, And she was on the podcast too. Uh, Maybe the first, yeah, maybe the first season of interviews, I think she was here. Oh yeah, she's great. How would you recommend teachers get started then using token boards? I think that, um, you know, just diving in and getting your hands on it, it, it does take a little bit of time because it's not always natural to, give these tokens. Um, Something that I suggest um, if you are trying to do it maybe about five minutes is set an alarm on your phone, make it just vibrate. So when it goes off, you know, it's about the time that you should try to be reinforcing a target behavior Um, because it is hard. And I've had a lot of um, people that I've worked with saying, it's not natural. I don't remember to give them. Um, And it's really important to um, get that buy-in from the students and so that they learn that it's reinforcing to really be consistent with the schedule. Um, and so that is one of the tips that I like to use, but I think just getting your hands on it and getting in there. And I really think it, it will require some training on your part or some, you know, just conscious effort, Uh but I think you could train yourself to just do it like second nature. You know, you're Uh just, you just know, or, or even to me, 
I have like certain parts in my daily routine. I have a couple of students who they know after five spelling words, they're going to get some type, you know, whether it's M&Ms, whether it's a ticket, whether it's, you know, whatever, they know it's coming Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they, that's just, we've kind of worked it out in our routine, but that took some like almost pacing and training Mm -hmm. and understanding on my part of wait, if we wait eight words, that's too long. (laughs) We're we're going to be melting down. We've got to go about five words in and then they get some M&Ms or then they get, you know, their token, whatever it is. Yeah. And you just made me think of a important point that I also like to tell people, um, some days you might need um, to give those tokens faster. So say typically on a good day where they ha- the student has a great night's sleep, um, everything has gone smoothly, maybe you can do every 20 minutes. Um, but maybe they really didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. Um, they could have had an argument with someone in the morning. They just are having a totally off day. You might have to bump that schedule from 15 minutes up to 10 or 5. Um, and just being flexible and knowing your student is important too. Yes, that's a great tip and a good reminder. Is this something that you recommend gen ed teachers use or who should start it, I guess? Is that something that as resource room teachers, we should kind of let the student understand how it works and then go to gen ed? What are your thoughts about general education? So yes, I have worked with many, many general ed teachers who have used these. Um, It is obviously a little bit more difficult. And what I suggest to them is, like you said, like make it a routine in your day. If there's a certain time that you can constantly um, making sure you're checking in with that student um, just to do as much as you can. Um, But in regards to maybe if kids are on your caseload, maybe you could sit down and um, go over it with a student and make sure that they understand it. But for the majority of the time, they're in the general education classroom, right? So um, I think that it has to be a conversation even before you introduce it to the student with the teacher, because if the teacher is not going to buy in and they're only doing it in the resource room, it's just not going to be a good situation for the student. For sure. I think so many times we make decisions as outsiders that are gen ed teachers. It's not that they're not willing. They just literally don't have enough time, you know, that it's not possible when you have 25 kids versus my three to five kids, it's not the same. And right. so I, I agree. We need to get started with them first or make sure that they're fine with that and then support them as needed from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also in your freebie have a first then board. Could you explain to us a little bit about what a first then board is? Yeah. Um, so first then is it goes back to kind of some ABA principles. So, oh, should I say that in your podcast? Sorry. Oh, yes. That's fine. <laughs> I'll say that again. Sorry. I like, I just also want to prep you that I have gotten come under some fire from some token boards. So just like just token boards in general are a hot topic right now. So just so you know. <laughs> well, and I'm fine to leave some of this in to say, I think that some people get really worked up over a lot of things and I don't. And listeners can listen and love it or hate it. That's fine. But I think in certain situations, ABA or token boards or whatever it is are good. And there are definitely situations where it's not. Yes, I totally agree. I'm all good with it. Okay. Okay. So it goes, so first then goes back to some ABA principles. It's called, um, basically if you work for something, then you get to do something more fun. Um, so it's really motivating for students to first use that language and then see it. So see, I just even did the first then as we're talking, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
But just to use that language really helps, especially autistic students. Um, it helps frame them for what's to come. You can either use it as, you know, a work first and then reward. Or if a student just needs to know what's coming next, it could just be first, maybe we do this worksheet, then we're going to go on the computer. So it could be like that. And I've even done um, first, next, then. So maybe students need three steps broken down, but just making it really visual and knowing that students have to do some work before they get their reinforcer. Where do you get your visuals? Where do you find things like that to use? Is that something that you sell or um, is that something that you use a website for? How do how do teachers get a hold of that? Great question. So um, I do have a product that is real life visual schedule pictures. Um, that's at my TPT store. But other than that, I create all of them using Smarty Symbols, which is an online um, platform. Um, you do have to pay. Um, I actually won it for my school a couple of years ago, which was pretty neat. And so now our school district pays for it for um, all the SLPs and special ed teachers, which is really neat. Um, I love creating them. So the reason I kind of, I make everything individualized. So what I love about Smarty Symbols as opposed to other programs like Boardmaker um, is it can look like the kids. So, you know, there are different ethnicities on there, which is really, really important to me um, and to the students. You know, they need, you need to be, have representation and to understand and buy in, you need to have people that look like you. So. I recently, um, I use Lesson Picks. I'm not sure if you've ever used it and how much it is similar or different from Smarty Symbols, but it's kind of like that. It has lots of different, you know, hair colors, skin colors, things like that. Um, and I recently had a student who said, hey, that looks like me. And I'm like, hey, I think I did that on purpose, you know, but it's like that. I, I agree. It's important. And yeah. when we're asking them to do, you know, like hers, for example, was sitting on the carpet. When we're asking you to sit on the carpet and you literally look like the picture, it helps. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, I like even how um, you said in your TBT product, it's real life pictures. I think that is also helpful. Um, and I can't even pretend like I haven't Googled every now and again, a picture of something and use that, you know, because oh, yeah. it didn't quite have what I needed. Yeah. And so you can upload your own pictures, like with lesson pics, you can upload your own pictures. So if I can Google it, I can upload it and print it in the little square or whatever. Yeah. So that is yeah. very, very nice. Yeah. Yep. On your token boards, they all say, you know, like I'm working for, and then you put a picture. What kinds of things do students work for, whether it be in a self-contained setting where maybe you have some more options, that kind of thing versus like a resource room or a general ed room? What are some examples of that that kids might work for? Yeah, I think it really, again, is dependent on the kid, but also the teacher. So depending on what um, you know, if it's a general education classroom, if they're okay with the kid maybe having a trampoline in the back of the room if they want to work for that or playing a game when the kids are um, maybe doing a worksheet, um, you know, that's really teacher dependent and that's okay, you know, which whatever they are, you know, want in their classroom. Um, but I've had students work for um, just looking at pictures of beaches. I've had kids work for iPads. You were saying things. Um, M&Ms, tickets, I mean, really anything, stuffed animals, cars, Legos, like anything. Um, 
I do always caution about using edibles just because um, that can be triggering to some kids and um, we never want to like create an issue with food, right? But for some kids, that is incredibly motivating and it works for some kids. But um, I have worked with kids, you know, that have had trauma around food. And I think I always like just to add that caveat in to be careful of when you use the edibles. And two, for me, that's one option. You know, it it doesn't have to be what you use all the time, whether it be a choice, whether it be this is what we're doing right now, whether it's this is what motivates that student. Yeah, it, it's an option and everything can be individualized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, wonderful. I do probably use food more than I should, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, I'll do anything for an M&M, so, <laughs> or a Skittle or something. So I oftentimes probably use that more than I should in my room. How many behaviors do you feel should be used on one token board or for one student? How many behaviors? Is that something like, oh, they're shouting out, they're getting out of their seat, they're not working, they're just driving me bonkers. Can all those things be used on a token board? Well, at one point or another, they probably can, but I suggest not doing that altogether. Um, really think about with your team, what is the number one problem behavior, whether it's interfering with that own child's learning, it's interfering with other children's learning, maybe it's unsafe, something like that. Um, so if a student is maybe refusing to do work, but they're also um, hitting students and they're leaving the classroom, um, I would say start on just being safe in the classroom. So it's kind of a little bit broad. So they have to stay in the classroom and they also have to stay safe. Um, give yourself time before you focus on then making them do work. Yes, obviously we're in school. Our goal is to do work, but they can't learn if they're running out of the classroom or if they're hitting friends and having to be removed. So focus on, you know, the really high flying problem behaviors, I guess you would say, mm -hmm. um, before you focus on, oh, they're calling now. Oh, they're not doing their work. Um, that will come in time, but we can't even teach them if they're not in the classroom. So. And two, if the, if you're saying, or I guess what I'm hearing is if the goal is stay in the classroom, they earn a token in that five minutes, that 15 minutes, whatever that increment of time is, as long as they were in the classroom. You got it. Maybe, maybe they were doing something obnoxious. Maybe they were refusing to work. But mm -hmm. if the goal or the target is stay in the classroom, that's what they earn their token for, correct? And I always make sure that we really go into behavior-specific praise. So when this is happening, this is important that you are, instead of just saying good job and putting the token on, because they're like, oh, sweet, I'm getting a token because I'm calling out running around the classroom. No, you're saying good job <laughs> staying in the classroom, you know, so they know exactly what they're doing, why they're getting that token. They know when you're giving it, because sometimes I see adults just putting it on there and not bringing the attention to the students. Um, and then may, sometimes even when you bring the attention to that, they're like, oh, oh, I got a token for that. Oh, maybe I need to like also do what my friends are doing in the classroom. It kind of makes them realize like I shouldn't be doing this. And maybe that's just because it's positive. Like you're just doing something good. They feel good about themselves. They feel successful. They're ready for something else, something more. Yeah. I always say, I'm like, wouldn't you rather just praise a kid than, um, you know, keep correcting them or saying no all the time. Right. And kids who have um, attention deficit disorder or any attention 
really issues or even problems with processing auditory language. If you're always saying like, no, don't, um, don't hit your friend. Don't run around. Don't do this. They might just be hearing run around, do this, um, hit my friend, you know? So that's why it's always important to use visuals and to really be positive so that if they hear all they hear is great job, keeping your body safe, they hear safe body. So that's a very, very good point. And we all the time are telling kids what not to do, but we're not often telling them either what they should be doing or telling them, you know, in a positive way, praising them for that. That is a great, great point. If they're processing that information in a different way than what we are, they may only be hearing the the poor behavior that we're trying to to get rid of. I mean, I've always thought this, but it's really solidified. I have an 18-month-old at home and He'll do things like bang on the mirror, like a huge mirror. And if I say, don't hit the mirror, what's he going to do? Hit the mirror. Because <laughs> all he hears is hit the mirror. <laughs> Abby, before we leave, do you care to tell listeners a little bit about um, where they can find you online and then what will they find when they get there? Yeah. So I have a few places. So um, you can find me on my blog. So it's um, www.mrsmosmodifications.com. And there's a ton of blogs that can help you in regards to behavior, just special ed life. Um, You can also find me on um, Instagram at Mrs. underscore Mose underscore modifications. And I've recently gone with the cool kids and gone on TikTok. (laughs) I feel a little out of my place there, but I'm there. (laughs) And and I have my TPT store, which we mentioned, which is again, same name, Mrs. Moe's Modifications, where you can find tons of resources that you can use in your classroom. So yeah. I understand that feeling. So Abby, as you and I were talking, you also shared that you have a course that you have already launched and will be relaunching um, later this year. Could you tell us a little bit about your course? Yeah. So it's kind of going to get an overhaul um, this winter and I'm going to relaunch it in January. Um, It's called the Behavior Vault and it's really designed for um, teachers that are dealing with those really tough behavioral students. Um, So think tier three, typically they have a special ed teacher attached to them. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they are in the gen ed classroom, but really those individualized um, students that you need Um, some really intensive strategies with. Um, I talk about different proactive strategies, some reactive strategies, because we all get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Behaviors happen, you need to know what to do. And then um, I also go into collecting data with it. And which I think is like, what makes all behavior programs um, run really well is teaching other adults how to implement it. Um, You can put this whole great behavior plan together, but then it's just a piece of paper if you um, don't teach maybe the TAs or the gen ed teacher how to really use the tools um, and strategies for the student. That's wonderful. And I think that is so much what teachers need. And, And we're dealing with so much all the time. I feel like we think it's the worst it's ever going to be. And then it gets a little bit worse. And then you think, oh, this is it. This is it. And then a new kid moves in or something. And and it's yep, just yep. getting crazier or 
Maybe it's just where I am. I don't know. But um, that is absolutely wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, I am excited about it. Like I said, I could talk about behavior all day. So I decided to make a course about it and help other people. Wonderful. Well, have a great evening, Abby. Thank you so much for recording with me tonight. And thanks for sharing what you're doing with the world so that we can help make behavior easier for teachers because we know, especially lately, I feel like behavior has been like hitting the fan or maybe it's just where I'm at. Um, no, and I hear it from teachers all the time that it's like, I know what I'm doing with this and this and this but then there's behavior. And so I think anything to help make it easier and a good solid strategy, teachers need it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're not alone. Behavior is up everywhere. It's all I keep hearing, (laughs) but thanks for having me on. I love talking about behavior. So this was so fun. Yes, it was. Thanks so much and have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.